0: this is soccer news iv soccer news iv it's in your veins brought to you by soccer from bumblebee to high school to college to the pros before the best coaches go to practice they go to soccer hello and welcome I'm Stephen Parr, the host of Soccer News IV. Well, the busiest offseason in MLS history continues. But before we get to that, let's start with some national team news. The U.S. men played Mexico Wednesday night in Arizona in front of more than 62,000 fans. Of course, most of those were Mexican fans, but still, It was an impressive showing. It was technically just a friendly. But there wasn't much friendly about this. There is a lot of history between these neighbors and this year. There's also a lot of backstory On the American side, this is interim head coach Bob Bradley's second game in charge. There are two more friendlies coming up later this spring. And Bradley is trying to drop the interim from his title. A win against Mexico would help him out there. On the Mexican side... New head coach Hugo Sanchez has been campaigning for this spot for more than four years. Sanchez is the best player Mexico has ever produced, but there are many who don't think he should be the head coach. Sanchez has said his goal is to beat the Americans in America. Now, that may not sound like much, but the Mexicans haven't beaten the U.S. outside of Mexico City since last millennium. Now, once the game got started, neither team was really able to establish a rhythm. Both created only a few chances in the first half and went in 0-0. In the second half, Mexico came out looking to increase the pressure. The game became a, a bit more open here and there. Landon won a corner for the Yanks and then chipped it to Jimmy Conrad sitting at the far post. Conrad headed home his first international goal. The rest of the second half was really a series of Mexican surges. They threw everything they had at the U.S. box and messed up several chances. In the end, it was Landon Donovan counterattacking from midfield that sealed the deal. In the 90th minute, Donovan beat Mexican keeper one-on-one for the 2-0 final. That scoreline should start to sound familiar. It certainly does to Mexico. The U.S. has won several times in recent years with a 2-0 score. One of those, you may remember, was during the 2002 World Cup when the Yanks sent Mexico packing. Jimmy Conrad was named the man of the match. Not only did he score the winning goal, but he played very well on the backs in the center of the defense He took Jared Borghetti out of the match and shut down opportunity after opportunity. He just always seemed to be in the right spot. It was also good to see Landon Donovan have a game like this. He got an assist and the second goal, but he also looked dangerous several other times. Landon was in a slump last year, and it's good for the Americans if he can come out of it this year. Perhaps the most surprising player of the game was Jonathan Bornstein. Bornstein was the Rookie of the Year for Bob Bradley's Chivas USA. Now he's getting a shot with the national team at left back. Bornstein did a great job of shutting down the Mexican attack on that side of the field. Several times he ended up one-on-one with an attacker, and every time he was able to punch the ball away. He could have gone forward more often when the U.S. transitioned to offense, but the runs he did make were usually dangerous. His counterpart on the uh, other side of the field was not as effective. Chris Albright got beat several times on the right side defender. Some of Mexico's best chances all game happened because Albright was simply out of his league. Now, just because the U.S. won doesn't mean it was a great performance overall. The team lacked creativity, and scoring chances were few and far between. They were well organized on defense, and that really made the difference. Part of that was because Pablo Mastorini and Ricardo Clark shared duties as defensive center mids, and they did shut down the midfield for the Mexicans. But once they got the ball, they usually made mistakes. and a part of the field, you can't afford to have mistakes made. Masterenian in particular, just gave the ball away with poor passing, Way too often. One other problem was with the attack, and that's that Landon had absolutely no help. Chris Rolfe got the start up top with Landon, but he just got lost. He did nothing. I did more stuff just watching the game on television than he did in the game. In the second half, Rolfe was subbed for Eddie Johnson. Johnson did do more than Rolfe, but he wasn't much better. He had one shot on goal from outside the 18. That was really a waste. If he had pushed into the box, he might have done much better with it. I don't know about you, but I miss the old EJ. Remember, we, we knew this great player who, who seemed to score at will for the national teams, but that was back before he broke his foot about two years ago. Since then, he's been pretty substandard. Based on this and other recent performances, neither Johnson nor Rolf should be invited back to the national team camp until they start lighting up MLS on a regular basis. There's several other better attacking options right now, and we need to find them and bring them in before this summer's string of important tournaments. The women's national team won the Four Nations Tournament in China on January 30th. The U.S. had tied Germany and England, and then they beat China and the Five total points was enough to claim the hardware. On to MLS. Real is staying for real. On Thursday, the Utah State Legislature passed a bill funding the infrastructure improvements needed to help Real Salt Lake build a stadium in the Salt Lake suburb of Sandy, Utah, the total bill came to $35 million. The governor of the state pushed through the bill saying this was going to mean a lot of economic development for the region and would bring international prestige to Utah. Now that's quite a change of events from just two weeks ago. The stadium deal looked like it was dead when Salt Lake County rejected a similar funding request saying it was simply too risky. The state funding came just in time. Rail owner Dave Chekets had said he was going to sell the team to a group of investors in St. Louis if the stadium deal was not finished by Friday. So the legislature came through with just one day to spare. So Salt Lake gets to keep their team. But there is some good news for St. Louis soccer fans as well here because it seems the group of investors in St. Louis is very close to creating a stadium deal of their own. Indeed, they were so close that MLS was okay with it selling Real to St. Louis if things hadn't worked out in Utah. What that means is St. Louis is probably now at the top of the list with San Jose as the next markets for MLS expansion. Remember, MLS wants to have 16 teams by 2010. If San Jose and St. Louis are teams 14 and 15, then it now looks like Cleveland, Seattle, Vancouver, and Philadelphia will battle it out for that 16th spot. Speaking of expansion, Toronto FC seems to be on a great start. The team has sold more than 11,000 season tickets already. Not bad for a team that hasn't even played a game and doesn't even have their roster complete yet. And since we're talking about the roster, U.S. international Connor Casey is rumored... To be heading to Toronto before the start of the season we'll keep you up to date on that back in the states the Colorado Rapids officially announced their color and logo change on Friday the team's colors are now maroon and sky blue kind of like Aston Villa from the English Premier League but the team's owners say the color change is to match the Colorado Avalanche the NHL nhl team which is also owned by kse and it's good that aston villa wasn't the inspiration because the team just announced a new partnership with arsenal from the epl The rapids are going to train in london this month at arsenal's training grounds and the rapids will sponsor a youth tournament in colorado the winner gets to go to england for a match against arsenal's u17 club Now, in the process of changing colors and making overseas friends, KSE and the Rapids were apparently playing with the heads of some of their fans just a little bit. You see, KSE went ahead and claimed the Internet domain names ColoradoArsenal.com and ArsenalColorado.com, a logo with the new Rapids colors, but the name Arsenal was leaked to the Internet. And all of this made some fans and journalists alike convinced that the team was going to rename themselves after their new British buddies. Add to the rumors the fact that the new Dix Sporting Goods Stadium was built near an old weapons manufacturing facility, and the Arsenal rumor really got rolling. Fortunately, KSE thought better of the idea, and the Rapids name remains. Well, that's all we have time for. I will return with more preseason news in the coming weeks. I need to say thanks to SoccerRom.com for all of their support. For Soccer News IV, I'm Stephen Parr. Remember, Soccer News IV, it's in your van.